0: This message comes from NPR sponsor ServiceNow. Everyone's talking about AI, but where do you start? How can it actually help your business? The ServiceNow platform brings intelligence into every corner of your company. So every person, every system, every process, everything works better. Put AI to work. Go to servicenow.com slash genai to see how.
1: Thank you for listening to The Last Cop we'd love to know what you think about this podcast. Please help us out by telling us what you like and how we could improve by completing a short anonymous survey at npr.org slash last cup survey. Welcome to The Last Cup. I'm Jasmine Garst. Thank you for joining us for this bonus episode. We wanted to check in with a few friends of the podcast about Messi's performance in the World Cup so far and if the team looks like they have what it takes to win the whole thing. Uh, Joining me in studio today are Julieta Martinelli. She's an Argentine journalist. She helped produce La Ultima Copa, The Last Cup, with Futuro Media and she traveled with me to Argentina to help report this story. And with us on the line is also Fidel Martinez, the editorial director of Latino Initiatives at the Los Angeles Times. He also writes The Latinx Files, which is a weekly newsletter that focuses on the American Latinx experience. He started at the LA Times in 2018 as an audience engagement editor focusing on sports. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for the invitation.
1: And you're both also intense soccer lovers. (laughs) (laughs) And sufferers. And sufferers.
0: Yeah, I always tell people that My love of sports, and specifically soccer, are huge character flaws, and I acknowledge it. (laughs) How's
1: everyone feeling in this roller coaster known as the World Cup?
0: I am now at the point in which my team has been eliminated, and I can enjoy it without the suffering that comes with watching soccer at the World Cup.
1: Right. I almost have like a little bit of envy of that peace. Someone else was telling me about this the other day. That they're at this, I think it was Fernanda, our producer, who's also from Mexico, uh, that she was like, I feel a lot of peace now. I feel no peace. Yeah, no, I'm miserable all the time. <laughs> I have zero chill. <laughs> Just anxious. Well, I'll be
0: happy to switch places with you guys. You know, you guys can have my peace, and Mexico can still be in this tournament.
1: Okay, well. I appreciate the offer. Um, I think I don't want to make that switch because Argentina has had a, overall a strong performance in this cup. But we did get off to a rocky start, no doubt. Um, there's that historic loss against Saudi Arabia in the opening game. That was hard to watch. We lost 2-1. to one. Fidel, what do you make of that?
0: It put a big question mark on this Argentina team that a lot of people had as a favorite to win the tournament you know and and I feel like obviously the the team has course corrected but there's still that lingering question.
1: Um so to me like something that I re- definitely saw in the Saudi game which the podcast we really talked about it a lot it's that Argentina has this like it's like a blessing and and maybe in some ways a curse to have someone like Lionel Messi you know and like they fall really easily into depending on him completely. It's like something very of the team where it's like Just go. Fix it. You're one of the best in the world. Go do your thing. And I really saw that in Saudi. I saw a little bit of of that. And I also saw a little bit of, um, of, of assumption, you know? I think, like, everyone thought Saudi was a given, you know? And I think that one of the interesting things in this World Cup, which we just saw with Morocco, Spain, right, is don't assume anything is a given.
2: Yeah, I think it was extremely shocking because I think for the first time in all the World Cups that I can remember, I went in extremely positive, <laughs> like not at all fearful of of this game. I, I thought that we were actually, you know, this team seemed to be super cohesive, seemed to be working as a unit, um, you know, coming from the Copa America, that the streak of wins, it seemed that, you know, we were really going into it for once, feeling very, very confident.
0: Those are the beautiful moments about the World Cup, right? Because... It gives you a glimpse at an alternate reality that never happened, right? And we're talking about minutes, you know, we're talking about fractions of a broader game that give you that little window into, like, this is what could have been.
1: Um, Let's talk a little bit about the first round of the knockout stage against Australia. What were you all expecting, Julieta?
2: Um, so I had read this article right before the game and reading about how hardy this team was, right? And the Australian team? The Australian team, how scrappy they were and how hard they were going to come. But I think it says something like there was like a 3% chance that they were going to win, right? So, I again, I went into this game very confidently. And I will say those last, what, like f- five minutes, 10 minutes? We, I mean, we were texting on the group chat. It was insane. I mean, it was... It it really made me at that moment sort of really appreciate, as you said, like some of these, you know, of course you want your team to win. But there is something like really exciting about watching really good soccer.
1: I was really scared. I mean, I was just like in the end, I was like, please make this end. I need this to end right now. I got to say, you were deathly quiet. Every
2: other game you have been messaging or like we're sending voice notes or you're commenting on our group chat. And I didn't hear from you like that whole second half. And I was like,
1: oh, that's how you know this is serious. I'm having a panic attack.
2: (laughs) Jasmine is not okay.
1: Fidel, I want to ask, you know, this podcast is very much about Lionel Messi's evolution as a player. Um, And I was wondering, you know, how you've been seeing him out there. Has it been up to expectation? How, How do you feel about how he's been playing?
0: it would be incorrect to say that he hasn't had phenomenal performances because he has but there are also moments where he's looked very human you know and and so to me that that is the that is really the biggest question you know like i do think messi is a talent that can truly elevate a team to the point where you know he can just define the game you know as you mentioned you know sometimes argentina has this tendency to like all right messi do do your thing you know, and and that doesn't always work. But I do feel like we've seen both sides of Messi.
2: Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with Fidel. I think, I think it goes back to that thing that we talk about so much in the podcast, right? Like that pressure that is perpetually on Messi. Whereas, I don't know if if looking at it, you know, maybe with. Except like Portugal and and Ronaldo, but like do we do this with with any other team where like there is this intense immense pressure on on one person to hold the team together to to make the magic
1: happen? Um, I wanna ask you about like out of the six Latin American teams, Brazil and Argentina are the only two that made it to the knockout stage. Fidel, does that surprise you?
0: Yes and no. Yes, because, you know, usually you you tend to have more Latin American teams in, in this round of the World Cup, you know. But also no, because, you know, we're talking about... The fact that like Europe, they get like 13 World Cup bits that they have, but there are more European teams at this World Cup than there are, you know, from any other continent. Right. And that's by design. You know, that's 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 the way that the system is. So to answer your question, it's like, no, I'm not. You know, I'm not surprised that we're about to watch a quarterfinals where there are a lot more European teams than teams from any other part of the, of, of the world.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you know, if 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 Argentina makes it past the Netherlands, um, a match against Brazil is possible in the semifinals. Uh, and I gotta say, Brazil has looked fire this tournament. Like I saw them yesterday, and I was like, this is terrifying. Um, we did beat them last year. I don't know, Fidel, How should I feel about this? Tell me how to feel. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I can tell you how you know, you should feel and how you're going to feel, you know, (laughs) I I think, I mean, I'd be nervous. I'd be scared and I'd be terrified. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's that, that Brazil team looks so terrifyingly good. You know, the fact that they've been able to, they did lose, you know, but they, they just, they just play with such confidence and such, you know, like it's, it's, I feel like this team is is truly the embodiment of like Jogo Bonito you know what I mean and, and I feel like when Brazil is on it yikes they're unstoppable you know but you know it's also the World Cup and anything can happen.
1: I, you're, as you talk about Brazil, like, my stomach just clenched very intensely. I'm so sorry. But listen, listen. Low-key panic here, here, here
0: here's, a silver, here's a silver lining, you know. I, it's it's a World Cup and anything can happen. And if there's any player that I would want to have on my side, it would be Lionel Messi. And, you know, you guys have him.
1: Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to keep talking a little bit more about Messi and his performance. We'll be right back.
0: This message comes from NPR sponsor CarMax. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because CarMax believes you shouldn't just settle for a car, you should love your car. That's why every car they sell has CarMax-certified quality, so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. Don't settle, find love at first drive. Start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. At this year's Oscars, Oppenheimer took home the award for Best Picture, Emma Stone and Robert Downey Jr. also picked up wins, and Ryan Gosling brought the Kenergy. For a recap of all the highlights, listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR.
1: We're back from the break, and joining me on this bonus episode are Julieta Martinelli from Futuro Media and Fidel Martinez from the LA Times. Okay, let's look at the path forward. Friday is the big match against the Netherlands. I want to hear your expert opinions. I gotta warn that
2: my expert opinion is wholly biased. Uh, <laughs> but I do think that um, you know, I know Netherlands gonna come hard. I think they, they're trying to I think I heard the coach say this morning that they have something to prove, right? Um back do on they
1: the, I do think you have something to prove <laughs> with us. I feel like they've They've proven a lot. I think
2: it was 2014 <laughs> that they're still sort of uh, reeling over. Um but I do think that you know Netherlands is one of those teams that makes me very nervous. The way that you just described Brazil is how I feel about this game on Friday. Um, you know, just this machine is what I think of when I think of them. Um but I I actually feel pretty, pretty confident.
1: Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I I um I actually don't know if I can watch this game fidel have you ever gotten so nervous about a game you can't watch it
0: no but i do have a tendency to watch soccer games by myself really because i can't yes absolutely i have to watch these games by myself you know and it's it almost feels like i'm doing penance you know watching these games so i i've never been to the point where i can't watch but i I, i find it very hard to watch with a group yeah.
1: That might be my story with Netherlands. I, I feel like I'm I'm just too nervous. I'm I'm too anxious. Um, you know, what, what do you think we can expect from Messi and, and the rest of the team? Like who's performing, who's not? What is your breakdown?
0: What I've seen Argentina do well is create opportunities and then have near misses, right? So I, I feel like we saw that against the Saudi Arabia game, right? Where they had two, I believe two goals that were called off because of offside. You know, so I I definitely think we like I I do think that this team is capable of creating those offensive opportunities for whatever reason. They've had a a difficult time, you know, finishing. So I think we're going to see a lot of that. I I, I do think that this isn't going to be a a situation in which Argentina is going to, you know, try to defend and hope for for a counter strike. I think Argentina is going to come out strong, you know, and I, I think it's going to be I don't know from 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 a objective observer, I, I really look forward to this match because it's just going to be really good football. Can I
1: ask you both if the this World Cup has in any way changed your view of Messi as a leader, as a captain, as a player? Julia, I want to start with you. Well, first of
2: all, I think it's been really beautiful to see Argentina really stand behind Messi. You know, there's been all these like leaked videos and these moments of like, you know, the particular one where Messi's giving a speech to to the team. And, and to me, he feels like a leader. I think that we're, we are at a place where I feel like he's really come to himself and he's with a team that he's comfortable with. I feel happy for him. And I think... I think I don't even want to say this, right? Like, I don't even want to jinx it. But even if things didn't work out the way that we hope that they work out, I feel like this game, we can't say that Messi didn't bring it.
1: Yeah, I think he's, he's definitely trying. I don't know if, I mean, I know this is maybe a controversial thing to say, but, you know, Messi is also older now, you know, and I, I don't know about you, Fidel, but there's moments where I see that, like I see him having to measure himself, you know, like having to really, he's always been good at like picking his opportunities, but but I do see that.
0: Oh, absolutely. But I sort of see him doing what Michael Jordan did, S-E, you know, SEH. He, Readjusted his game, right? He he sort of evolved as a player, and and I think that you know, like you don't have that longevity in the sport and at the at the level that he is has been doing it without adapting to the game. But to answer your earlier question about has my opinion on him changed, like not really. I've always found myself watching games when he was at Barcelona and now at PSG and he'll do something amazing. And then I'll pause. And I think to myself like, wow, what a privilege it is to be able to live in the era of Messi. So I've always saw him as like one of the greatest players of all time, if not the greatest. And I think it's kind of unfortunate that we collectively associate greatness with the number of World Cup titles that you won.
1: Absolutely. Like, I absolutely agree with that. So much of soccer is skill, but we have to admit that there is a part of it that is also luck. And it feels unfair to judge a person's entire career based on the very limited number of games. And like something we explore a lot in this podcast is how like he is forever being compared to someone like Maradona because Maradona won a World Cup. Um, and the the big question that we explore in the podcast is if he doesn't win this cup, you know, knock on wood. But if he doesn't, like, does he get to go back home a hero? Um, I don't know, Juli, having done this podcast, like, what are your thoughts about that now?
2: Yeah, I think I mean, I think he is a hero, right? Like, I think hero, man, like he's brought so much joy, right? And so much excitement and even anguish, right? Because I think we spent so much time talking about the anguish of of watching the games, but that's the passion. That's the enjoyment. And I mean, I agree completely with Fidel and, and what you said. I think it's, man, it's extremely unfair. It's also a matter of timing, right? The World Cup is every four years. Like maybe last year he was at his peak and you know you wait another four years right like I also think I I want to say and I want to believe that that we see him as a hero already like I want to say that what he's accomplished is enough I want to say that what the joy that he has brought to our country is enough and you know of course we want the cup but at the end of the day it's like how do you yeah how do you judge Someone who's spent the last 15, 20 years of his life, who's dedicated his entire life to this, to us, to like the audience, to the people that that get so much joy and enjoyment out of watching him. How do you say he's not a hero because he didn't bring home the cup? It's just
1: so unfair. It is, isn't it, Fidel?
0: Oh, absolutely. And at the end of the day, Lionel Messi has definitely earned his peace of mind. But if he doesn't win the, the World Cup, then, you know, it doesn't take away anything from him. I'm sure that people will feel otherwise, but we were lucky to live in the era of Lionel Messi. That means a lot to a lot of people.
1: I want to talk about what's next for Lionel Messi. Uh, There's been some reporting that he's going to go to Major League Soccer to enter Miami at the end of this European season. What do you think of MLS's plan to bring Messi into the league? Fidel? Well,
0: yeah, and that's actually been the, that has been the M.O. of the league. for a long time, you know, when when it first launched, it brought in a lot of famous players, you know, from from Latin America, um, and then obviously David Beckham, you know, and Slatan Ibrahimovic, Carlos Vela, you know. So so it, this this it's it's kind of par for the course for Major League Soccer for wanting to bring in you know big name talent, even if it's towards like the twilight of their career. Obviously, I think Messi could play for a long time in European soccer. But, you know, if he wants to come to the United States and make a lot of money and help grow the sport in the process, then, you know, he's earned that.
1: And Juli, um, do you think Argentines have learned any lessons about Messi's journey? Like how we treat players, um, you know, how we treat these icons? It's okay to say no. (laughs) (laughs) The eternal optimist. Yeah, I want to say yes.
2: I also think like, to be honest, I think because so many people continue to emigrate out of Argentina, I do feel like the way that maybe we treated Messi 10 years ago is different now because I think maybe more people have had like that direct sort of relationship with someone who left. And maybe have a better opportunity to understand that just because you leave, it doesn't mean that you want to. And it doesn't mean that you stop being from that place. I am very curious, though. You know, like, I am very curious, like, what, what the news media in Argentina, the, the comentaristas, you know, like, what are they going to say if this doesn't play out the way that we want? But I want to say that I, I have hope that that we've, that we've moved on from that way of thinking.
1: Yeah, I think something that we we were trying to do in the podcast is also tell the story of, you know, Argentina, how it has changed in the last couple of decades. And I, th- I think that some of the warming up towards Messi also has to do with, like, you know, the fact that now we're, as opposed to in the early 90s, now we're a country where, like, you have a cousin or an uncle or, uh, you know, a sister uh, or a friend who left and so it's no longer weird that someone left and is trying to do something abroad you know i think we used to be a much more insular country um so i wonder how we will see that reflected in in messi's retirement which is impending you know at least his retirement from the world cup
0: but you know it's so funny you mentioned whether people leaving whether that will help messi like, like change people's opinions of Messi. Right. And, and honestly, as a Mexican American, you know, like nothing makes me feel more connected to Mexico than watching the Mexican national team. So I I do think that there is a relationship between migration and soccer, right. And how much these teams mean to us. Right. Cause it's, it's, it's not just like a a football club. It's, it's, you tie your identity to it. So I definitely think that, you know, with migration will come more appreciation about Messi, but, um, I'm glad this term is only four years because the emotions are so strong and so high that I need a break. <laughs> I
1: do too. I just keep thinking, like, I forget what this does to me emotionally. A <laughs> part of me feels like we should have it more often so that I can remember the psychological effects this has on me.
0: No, but I think it would be diminished. I don't know. I feel like four years is is good, right? And I feel like it's what makes it much more meaningful than having Every year or every other year, you know, it's like why, why people really love the Olympics.
1: Last question. I promise this is the last question before we go. Um, in your professional opinions, does Messi have a chance and Argentina to win it all this time?
0: Uh, I'll be the I'll, I'll be the wet blanket here <laughs> and say he has a chance. But if I were betting money, I would bet on other teams before I bet on Argentina. And that's me putting my trauma cost by Argentine soccer aside as a Mexico fan <laughs> and trying to be as objective as possible. I wouldn't be surprised if Brazil or France won this, you know.
1: Yeah, Sorry. hopefully Brazil, though. I'd love I No, it's like there's like a silence. I'd love Brazil to if, if, if it's not Argentina, I'd like Brazil to take it. I, I do want a Latin American country to take it. That's that feels important.
2: I will say, you know, I respect Fidel's uh, objective opinion. I lose all sense of objectivity. I become a terrible journalist when it comes to Argentina. (laughs) I don't even want to say that it's not an option. So I do think that I'm I'm saying it now. Okay, I'm saying it now. We are going to take the World Cup. But if I have to choose someone else, (laughs) I am
1: going to say that
2: my heart is also with Brazil.
1: Uh, Julieta Martinelli... Fidel Martinez, thank you both so much for joining us. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, thank you, Jasmine.
1: That's it for us at The Last Cup. On behalf of the team, I would like to thank you for joining us on this journey. This episode was produced by Andrew Mambo and Skylar Swenson with production support from Nick M. Nevis. Katie Simon is the supervising editor for Embedded. And our mix engineer for this episode was Natasha Branch. Music provided courtesy of ZZK Records. Lauren Gonzalez is the senior manager of the content development team. Our executive producers are Yolanda Sanguini for NPR and Marlon Bishop for Futuro Studios. Anya Grundman is senior vice president for programming and audience development. Thank you for listening to The Last Cup. We'd love to know what you think about this podcast. Please help us out by telling us what you like and how we could improve by completing a short anonymous survey at npr.org slash survey And as always, we love getting feedback from our listeners. You can send us a message at thelastcup at npr.org. Thanks again.
0: Every afternoon, Here and Now Anytime has a little news, a little something you weren't expecting, and always a fresh perspective on stories that make you think, all in about 30 minutes. Need a solution to the burnout, the bombast, the bloviating of other news? That's Here and Now Anytime, a podcast from NPR and WBUR. There's a
2: lot of stuff to watch out there. Pop Culture Happy Hour, a -a four-day-a-week, 20-minute-a-day podcast, helps you pick out what's worthy of your next big binge. Whether it's a new show, a buzzy book, or a movie that we can't stop talking about, Pop Culture Happy Hour is here with a recommendation you'll want to snuggle up with, guaranteed. Listen to Pop Culture Happy Hour every day, only from NPR.